This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as Line of Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26, 2022. It's from the track, Banking Crosses into its Digital Future, sponsored by Galileo Financial Technologies, and is titled, How to Find the Diverse Talent You Need in Order to Generate the New Clients You Want. Speaking on the session are Dr. Marlene Fuller, Citizens Financial Group, Dion Harrison, Elevate, Rakana Bot, PNC Bank, with moderator Stephanie Eidelman, the IA Institute. I am Stephanie Eidelman. I am a CEO and owner of the IA Institute, which is a media company. And our flagship initiative is called Women in Consumer Finance. Uh, it's a, a one-of-a-kind conference and year-round community where we focus on what's needed to get more women, and especially women of color, to the decision-making tables in consumer finance, where products are developed and policies are decided. And we build confidence, we build connections, and we provide inspiring career examples. Okay, I'm going to moderate our very fast-moving 20-minute discussion today, which will cover everything there is to say about this topic. Uh, the idea is to talk about uh, the business case for race and gender uh, diversity at the decision-making table. Uh, we all need employees who look like and have the life experience of the customers that we want to attract. In today's, also, in today's highly competitive environment for employees, uh, how do you gain the edge? You know, we're, we're leaving a lot on the table if we don't have diverse employees. There are so many people that are remaining untapped. So this is what our panel is going to talk about today. How do we find those folks? How do we attract them? How do we retain them? Okay. Uh, and what kind of an impact can they have on new customer acquisition? So with me today, I have Dion Harrison who is the Chief Diversity Officer and Vice President of Business Development Elevate, and Marlene Fuller, who is the Chief of Staff for Mortgage Servicing and also the Virginia Site Leader for Citizens Bank, and Rachna Bhatt, who is the EVP of Credit Card Unsecured Lending and Retail Lending Distribution at PNC Bank. Okay, so thanks everybody for being with me. All right, uh, Rachna, we'll dive right in with you. Um, tell me, how do you approach identifying diverse candidates for your open positions? Thank you, Stephanie. Um, really appreciate uh, you inviting us here and uh, proposing such a great topic. Um, at PNC Bank, we take uh, diversity very seriously. It's a top priority. Um, as they were recruiting me, and it's what actually did attract me to PNC is how uh, the creating an environment that's diverse, inclusive, et cetera. Um, and that is definitely what attracted me to PNC. My role at PNC is not just running the businesses that Stephanie just described, but I also have a role of uh, running the internship program and the product development associate program. And it's through that program where we keep a eye, a very close eye on recruiting diverse candidates, because that's our pipeline. That's the pipeline for future leaders within our company. Um, and as we know, our, the student class makeup is very diverse. Um, and then as individuals rise through the ranks, that's where diversity falls off. But we want to fix that. And it starts for the internship program, and it starts with the development associate program. So the way we do that is we identify schools to recruit from in diverse areas. We find um, historically black colleges to go after, universities, HS, there's an acronym, HBCU. HBCU. I always get the acronyms wrong. Um, we recruit at 
those specific universities. And um, every year when a class is, you know, gone through the interview panel, um, the team brings to me the makeup, the diverse makeup to say, is there, uh, what's the percent female population? What's the percent black, Latino, and Asian American split individually? And uh, every year we see those numbers go up year over year. I would say our internship class and our product development associate class and product development is by the way what you said stephanie is that's the center of they're the quarterbacks within the company these are the people that are driving decisions around how product pricing etc bringing you to the market so it is kind of that seat at the table role um and 60 to 70 percent of our class is made up of diverse individuals so across all of those different buckets and categories that i described so um excellent that's what we do at pnc all right. Does anybody want to add on to that, or I'll I'll just take it from there, and uh, and yeah, and at least ahead. I'll ask you this next question, and you can comment on that too if you want. So once you've found the diverse candidates, or you uh, you know you've brought them in, how do you entice them to actually join the company? Uh, great question. Thanks, Stephanie. So I want to make one assumption before I respond to how do we entice them to come to our organization. And that assumption would be is that salary compensation and benefits and those sorts of things are equitable, okay? So here we're just talking about how do you get them through the interviewing process and really wanting to take a look at the organization. It really starts with building a culture of inclusion and in support even before that interview process even starts. So this is not just about hiring someone for a specific job. We're really making an invitation to people to join a place where they can thrive, not just do some work. And especially when we're talking about women, especially women of color, that's a key point to make. So build the culture of inclusion, and now we're talking about inviting them. So, and that invitation starts from the moment we start recruiting, whether it's, uh, you know, at HBCUs or other pipelines, or maybe it's even career fairs. Some things to keep in mind as we're recruiting um, is think about who, who, who's the front, who's in front. When, um, when presenting people, uh, to, to candidates, um, do they have cultural competence? Some messages seem simple, but they can actually be conflicting or even contrary to the message of, of, of inviting women, especially to the table, um, especially if it seems like we're making an invitation to a competitive environment. Okay. Um, also assess collateral materials. Take a look at our websites. Um, Citizens really has done a really good job here. If you look at our LinkedIn pages, not just information that the company puts out, but that even messages that we make available to our colleagues to present on LinkedIn, it, it shows a good diversity for all colleagues, whether we're talking about persons of color, women, um, members of LGBTQIA, um, veterans. There's a good representation. So when someone's taking a look at our organization, they're not seeing just like, wait a minute, how do I fit into what's here? I'm actually seeing a place where I really can belong. Okay. Um, you also wanted to consider job descriptions. So remember, we're now talking about how to, how to attract them or how to entice them to the organization. So we're, we haven't even gotten to the interview process yet. Job descriptions. 
Job descriptions are a key as well. So making sure that you're looking at messaging that's inviting, that's more inclusive, watching word selection, using words like competitive um, could actually be a turnoff for women. Um, there's a tool that at Citizens that we use similar to Grammarly, I think it's called Textio, that actually takes a look at our, our job descriptions and it helps with the tone of the messaging, word selection, and helps to make the job descriptions more inviting. Um, key, things like that too, because the messaging at this point um, is... Candidates are starting to make a decision at this point as to whether or not they're even going to apply for the role. Okay, um, so, so keep that in mind in terms of the job descriptions as well. And now that if we start, you know, hopefully that candidate or that potential interest is now wanting an interview. So consider more structured interviews that focus in on competencies rather than unstructured interviews because it also helps to remove some bias from the interview process. Um, and, and again, our interviewers, our recruiters, people who attend career fairs, they do need additional support and training to know how to, to ensure that they're communicating the values of the organization, that they're already starting the conversation of inclusion, even in those initial uh, connection points. But it's key to, to, to pay attention to the fact that every contact in the process, every contact in, in the process is already starting to build relationships and inviting that potential candidate into what they're hoping will be a place that they can thrive. It's not just about where they're going to work. And it's sending a message. It is sending yeah. a message, yeah, a, a, about the core values of the organization. Yeah, Dion, I know you have something to offer on this, too. So yeah, I, <laughs> go for it. I, I, I echo everything that she says. I mean, the reality is that... Um, we, we need to do all of those things, but you need to do more than just give the appearance that you want to attract those candidates. You got to dig a little bit deeper and make sure that the culture that you have, you talked a little bit about that culture of inclusion. You got to build that culture of inclusion. So part of that starts with talking to and training, you know, your leadership and, and all of your employees to reflect those values, to reflect that same culture of inclusion and figure out what that actually means within your organization. Um, I, I would invite you to kind of go out into your community, um, to the high schools, to the community colleges, and talk to them about the curriculums that they have and see if whether the curriculums that they're training their students on matches with something that you would even recruit for, first and foremost. And then when you do find that out, ask them about a black student organization or a Hispanic student organization that might exist at the college campus or even within their high schools. Find out about the demographics that exist within those organizations so that you can even target intentionally those parts of the organization and tell them that you want to intentionally try to recruit more because you recognize that within your organization that representation does not exist. If you can't send a black person or a Hispanic person or an LGBTQ person or a veteran out to a school or an organization, then there's work to be done. And it's okay if there's work to be done. We all are up here on this panel, not because we're perfect, but we're up here because we want to impart on you that there needs to be an intentional effort that is made to acknowledge where you're at and also to take um, some of those efforts to the next level and get a little bit deeper and make sure that it's genuine and authentic because the moment that it is not, you will not retain those employees and they will be able to see it 
I see it as a person of color. I see it. And I have seen it several times over whenever I've worked in organizations before. And I know when it's not authentic. And I am working with my organization right now in order to try to bring that authenticity to the, to the forefront. But it, it takes effort in order to do that. And that effort is not in vain. It is yeah, not yeah. just because you want to try to attract it. It's because the more effort that you make and the more work that you do in going out to these community organizations or schools or other organizations, you start to change yourself. And, it, and that yeah. culture actually becomes a, a part of who you are in everything that you do. I have something else to add. So I totally agree with everything you're saying around the culture of inclusion. And I also, I think one way to do it within your company, within your team, is to have the tough conversations. Like one of the things that we did on our teams is we did a listening session. And literally was like, what's on your mind? Um, what's going on in the, the news, the world that is on your mind that you're bringing to work? And let's put it out there. Now, we were having very challenging, difficult conversations. This is right after the George Floyd in incident. But as leaders, we thought it was really important to have the conversation. And it started at the top and worked its way all the way down. So all levels of leadership, we were having listening sessions. And from there, picked up on, okay, well, first of all, like people f had an openness to talk about their own personal experiences, things that I would not have known, Stephanie, that you faced coming into work every day, um, but until you to told me about it. So it created this environment for empathy with each other. Um, but I think that's the kind of culture of inclusion that I think crosses the line of, of comfort, but sometimes you got to do it so you can create an inclusiveness yeah. culture. All right. Yeah. I wanted to tag on to that point. So uh, we haven't talked about like business resource groups, but as you talk about let's listen sessions, if your organizations don't have, uh, whether they're employee business resource groups or business resource groups, that's a great way to hear the voice um, of whether it's a women's network or, you know, people of color, multicultural net network. That's a great way to hear their voice and to understand where there might be retention opportunities oh, oh, and also too question. if there's even some biases around whether or not they think that there's promotable opportunities within that organization. Um, also business resource groups are a great great way to get additional um, additional employees to to attend marketing or product forums to to help develop the messaging for your your marketing approaches and develop new products if I'm going into an Asian community and I have not talked to uh, Asian colleagues before going into that I'm probably going to be in trouble and I'm not going to be as successful like I want to understand how this message should be developed for that particular community what services are needed because I don't want to craft a message without input and then deliver something that might be offensive and then now I've got to try to figure out how to recover from that. So when we talk about diverse persons, they don't actually have to be in that particular area. Like we can widen our approach or widen our view across the organization and know that, wait a minute, let me tap into resources that are in another department because they really can help in these areas. And then the other point I just want to add, too, is that this really is a long game. So um, Dion mentioned about tapping into high school. Um, my, my son is an eighth grade, great student who's been involved in a program over the past year at a historically black college and university. And the company that sponsored it 
came in, they fully paid for this summer and continuous year-long program for him to be involved. The CEO and other senior leaders came in and they spent time meeting one-on-one. So, wow, they're building their confidence, but it's a technology program. They're having fun, right? But the exposure has widened so much more than what what they could have ever imagined. They've expanded this program to include girls as well, too. But this organization absolutely has identified that, you know, we've got to start early in order to understanding where talent is, to providing opportunity and giving young people a voice. So then that way, when they do get to college or maybe they don't go to college, whatever they is. But we also understand where that pipeline is going to be rather than trying to figure it out after they they've gotten through those things. Yeah. And and the uh, authenticity of involving people in the conversation, you could see interns. Right. That's a great opportunity for interns to participate in the product development cycle and give their input and if they it, whether it's employees or interns and they if they see that their opinion was reflected in what ultimately happened wow a what a great retention tool that would be and b what a great opportunity a great tool for identifying talent Absolutely. In the uh, across the organization, wow, that person was very articulate at that meeting. I had no idea that they could, you know, offer, uh, you know, thoughts on that, that insight. And so, it I, I, th- just I think that's itself. especially uh, that's a profound point to make, especially as it relates to women. Um, it, if for for those of you that have been in the technology field for quite some time, we know that it's a very male dominated industry. And financials are, are, you know, financial industry is very male dominated. And I think we have to do a little bit better job. We all have to do a better job of actually identifying um, and investing in women in ways that maybe we didn't think that they were interested in or capable of. If we never put out that opportunity for them and we never give, you know, invest that time and effort into it, then no one will be interested. If you don't show that, if you're not expressive that you want to invite them into the conversation or you want to invite them to, you know, just experimenting with something that you're doing, you know, there are several companies here that started a company and have no idea what that thing is going to be five years from now. Um, And quite honestly, you have no idea what some of your female employees could turn your company into five years from now. And if you take the time to actually talk to them and and have and invite them into the decision making process right now, the startup process right now, um, you have the ability to not only expand the scope of what you're capable of accomplishing, but also you have the ability to increase the capacity of reaching people that maybe you didn't weren't going to reach before. Amen. So we could have a much longer conversation. Uh, we just have a few minutes left, uh, and Rachna is going to answer a question that was asked. Yeah, I'll let so you read there's it. a question asked on the uh, live link here. How do you prevent putting the onus and burden of creating a diverse and inclusive space on the shoulders of diverse employees? So it's a great question, and I mean, we have three diverse employees up here talking about, talking about it, so it's a really uh, valid question. Um, I will say, I'll, I'll just talk about my experience at PNC Bank. Our CEO, Bill Demchak, is white male, and he puts the onus on himself as a CEO um, to push uh, a diverse and inclusive agenda. Um, I actually sit on the Corporate Diversity Council. He joins that meeting uh, three hours a month, um, you know, every month committed to that. But also, like, anytime, 
any major event happens in our nation, he pulls together a call of all the senior leaders, and he's like, what are you guys doing about it? How are you making your team feel um, included? That's the listening sessions all started from that. So I feel as though the onus needs to come from leadership, and it needs to come from the top. And if it's not coming, if you're a leader, you should be creating that onus uh, on your whole organization. And if you're not a leader, and you're looking up, and you're not seeing it, well, I think it's time to challenge leadership because that's where I think it needs to come from. Um, because at the end of the day, they're creating and setting the tone and the culture uh, for the entire company. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So at, at Citizens, our CEO um, definitely asks for input um, and he takes accountability for the results of it. Um, but I really think, too, that our ability to be successful in this area really is going to take all of us. So I, there are going to be times I've been in organizations where yeah, it came from the top and it was pushed down. Um, as a woman of color, um, I have to own it as well, too. Um, those who work with me know that I've got to advocate for myself and I'm going to push it up. Now, that may not be what I want to do, but I'm not going to sit and wait. Because if not, it just might be that someone else just didn't think. So their experiences, their familiarity, their preferences that drive biases, they just missed it. That wasn't the intent. They missed it. And so I'm here to help other people on the journey as well, too. And that means that sometimes I have to initiate difficult conversations. So one, I think that we all own it. And no, it shouldn't just always be on our, our diverse employees, but as senior leaders, definitely, ultimately, the accountability of the success of it definitely falls there. I will definitely want to encourage, too, every organization that if you're not measuring the success of DE&I in your organization, then you're missing a huge opportunity, right? If it gets measured and reported out, you'll pay attention to it and you'll start driving the results in that area. But if you don't measure it, then that means it's not important to you yet. I, I'll just say real quickly too, um, for, for those of you that have diverse employees and, and have been thinking about giving them the responsibility of DEI, uh, we, we cool with it. You can give it to us. Um, let me just tell you that. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes in your organizations, it's the first time that a person of color actually has a position of authority. Sometimes it's the first time that other persons of color that are in your organization see another person of color in a position of authority. Sometimes it's the first time that your organization pulls their hands back and gets out of the way and allows a person of color or a woman to actually be the lead and make a decision and be a decision maker. So we cool, you can give it to us, okay? I, I wanna encourage you all to be thoughtful about who you choose, but also to be encouraging of everyone to participate, right? Because the reality is our women in technology organization that we have um, right now, the, the chairperson is a woman but her mentor in this organization is a male. It's not me, it's someone else. And I have, was the first member of the Women in Technology organization that was male. And I was the first to go back out to all of my male counterparts and say, hey, why didn't you all show up? And they all kind of jokingly said, ha ha ha, you're not a woman in technology. And I said, no, but I have a daughter who might be one day. Yeah. 
And all of you need to think about whether or not your, your daughters, your cousins, your, your nieces, whoever, would like to be in the same industry that you're in or in some other type of technology industry yeah. or whatever they choose to be in, you need to empower them with your support. Excellent, right? It's a terrific last word. And, uh, you know, I will say this, this final thing, uh, because as the moderator, I reserve that right. Uh, Marlene, you mentioned uh, measuring. It was interesting. I saw something that came out just the other day about the SEC, uh, that there's a, I'll butcher some of this, but the gist was uh, there's a proposal uh, for the S SEC to start requiring um, a, to create a standard for reporting on DEI initiatives, uh, so that investors can have that information across com companies about, uh, so that they understand they can compare companies in that way. And I, that's very interesting. It's just a proposal; it hasn't happened, but uh, I thought that was interesting. Interesting. So, thank you so much to all of you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for coming. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you.